Hello, I'm John, and this is In Orbit. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Wherever in the world you are, whether you're a regular orbiter or listening for the first time, we're glad you're with us and staying in our orbit. Before we get started, please be aware that the following content could be triggering for some listeners. We'll be discussing mental health, suicide, and suicidal ideation in this episode. If you or someone you know are currently in distress and need support, please dial 988 in the United States. That's the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. For those outside the U.S., there's a list of international resources available at save.org, and KBR employees can find additional resources through the Employee Support Program 24-7. We talk a lot on the podcast about the latest innovations in science, technology, and engineering, and how KBR is using those solutions to address some of the great challenges of our time. What you might not know is that some of the most fascinating work that KBR does, and some would argue the most important, is for people in supporting their physical and mental well-being, particularly professionals in defense and space who work in some of the most demanding and harsh environments imaginable. With me today to talk about some of the work KBR does in health and human performance is Dr. Holly Robles. Holly is Senior Program Manager in Behavioral Health, and she works with KBR Science and Space Business Unit, which is part of KBR Government Solutions United States. Welcome to the podcast, Holly. Thanks, John. Well, we are super glad that you're with us today to talk about uh, one of the more interesting things that I think that KBR does, and that is working with people. So you had a very varied career from the public sector to academia to the U.S. military military. So I wonder if you would mind telling us a little about your journey and how you became interested in psychology and behavioral health. I would love to. I was one of those kids in the sixth grade that had been watching Sigmund Freud and was already fascinated by behavior and dreams and um, knew from a very young age that I wanted to go down this lane and be able to help people and understand people. And it wasn't until I turned 15 and had my own mental health crisis, feeling suicidal as adolescents oftentimes do, where I went and sought out a counselor. And after one session, I walked out and said, wow, I want to do that. I want to be that person that's there for people that are really struggling, especially during those darkest times of their lives. And uh, thereon uh, launched uh, that career path for me. And uh, in 1992, actually started doing therapy with people all the way up to um, the director of crisis services for a large regional organization. And in uh, about nine years later, then realized that I wanted to have the opportunity to work with kids and teenagers and families. So changed a little bit of path going into the school system for about 10 years finishing that doctoral degree and another master's degree and getting the opportunity to go into academia and private practice. And in 2009, decided I needed to raise my right hand for the United States Marine Corps and got the joy of serving our nation three years in the Marine Corps and three years in the Navy, uh, working as a provider there until 2015, coming back to Texas from my deployments overseas and working again in private practice and with industry and with schools until 2019 uh, and 20, then starting with KBR and the wonderful position that I enjoy now as a senior program manager uh, in behavioral health. And I love what I get to do every day. That's a truly inspiring story. At first, uh, as I so often get to say on the podcast, thank you for your service. 
We appreciate it immensely. And number two, thank you for sharing so candidly about your personal experience. Sure. You know, I think a big part of understanding the reasons that we provide the services that we provide and being able to provide the absolute best quality services is being able to to be empathetic and understand exactly what others are going through. So we always have to know our why. Why do we do this? Why do we keep coming to work every day knowing that this is such a challenging field? And my why is that I know that we're helping one person at a time. That's wonderful. Well, again, thank you. For, for people who might not know that there are finer differences between the two, would you explain, please, what we mean when we refer to behavioral health versus strictly mental health? Absolutely. We used to call it mental health all the time, and mental health encompasses what's going on in between your ears, how you are, how you're adjusting to things, how you're coping with the daily stressors of life, doing well, or maybe not doing so well. Whereas behavioral health is really a more umbrella-encompassing type term, uh, including things like alcohol use and maybe our acting out behavior or our, our turning in behavior. So it's a more broad term that encompasses all of those things and not just our mental health. It's super helpful to to know those differences. So behavioral health and mental well-being in general, at least in the developing world, they've become very prevalent topics online and in the news. And I think especially following the pandemic, that's true. And though sometimes it feels like collectively we might be making progress around destigmatizing mental and behavioral health issues, or that there are more resources available. I know KBR has done a tremendous job in, in providing resources to help employees be more proactive about their mental health and fitness. But it seems like there's still, we're just bombarded with bad news, specifically with teenagers and social media use. It, it seems like there's just so much spiraling around us. So sticking specifically with behavioral health, what are the major issues currently that that are out there? John, I think probably the biggest issues now are that there's just not enough providers to be able to address this tremendous need that we're seeing on a daily basis. There may be a wait to see a behavioral health care provider, and the behavioral health care providers that are in the local community may not be specifically trained to the issues that you may need. I love it that now we are branching out and doing lots of telehealth options, and there is uh, a movement of being able to transport counseling licenses from state to state and a counseling compact act. So I'm really excited about that. So now we can provide those services um, telehealth wise to many, many states. If you're licensed in one, then essentially you're licensed in about 21 or so. So I'm really excited about that. Mm. The other thing I think that we've seen coming out of this pandemic is a significant spike in Anxiety. Mm. We see more worry and anxiety and fretting and loneliness. You know, we have a lot more people working from home and concern about uh, not being able to relate to others and not having that community connectedness and support that we need to help support us during those times whenever we're at our darkest. Absolutely. Um, I, I know that for myself, working from home, I've always considered myself to be you know, a people person is sort of an extroverted introvert, but I love being around people. But notice that, um, especially after the pandemic coming out of that, it was it was difficult to to relate to people as freely or as openly as I felt like I was used to doing 
before that. So that's that's a very interesting point you bring up. And then also an eye-opening point about just the there not being enough providers. That seems to be a an epidemic of its of its own. It is. And basically what you described, John, in terms of coming back from COVID and working from home is exactly what what most Americans experienced, not understanding anymore and feeling comfortable with relating to others, wanting to kind of go back into your own shell Mm -hmm. and having concerns around just that day-to-day problem-solving, communication, peer relations, and then having to drive in and go to work every day. So um, KBR has a long history of supporting the U.S. Department of Defense in numerous ways. Supporting health and human performance has been a big part of that. What are some of the behavioral health issues unique to people who work in or have experienced extreme conditions such as military personnel or veterans? You know, I think one of the things that everyone believes comes to mind is that there is a greater risk of having post-traumatic stress disorder and then also the concern for suicidal ideation among military service members and then also veterans. We do see the rates of death by suicide in veterans and the active duty population as well as reservists and guardsmen and even family members of those to be significantly higher than that of the general population Mm. of civilians. Uh, So we are going to see more post-traumatic stress disorder, obviously due to war type things that are seen, but also to many other type stressors, uh, even things like military related sexual traumas that might have occurred Mm. or um, difficulties in being able to adjust. You know, anytime we go through a transition in life, that's hard for anybody. And when you think about a military service member and their families, as well as veterans, think about all the transitions that they've had to go through, not only every three years, but at the time of their transition into ending their active service. So now they're moving to a new community. They are having to rethink what their identity is as a person, as a worker, as someone that they believe themselves to be self-sufficient. They're losing their entire support system and coming out of the military system because the Department of Defense does a great job in supporting our service members. And yet coming out of the military and going into veteran status, those first two years really are when our veterans are most at risk. So we want to really be able to provide lots of wraparound services for not only those active duty service members, but especially the veterans. And we're less likely to see those, right. mainly because we don't have veterans that are on installations anymore. They're all spread out across our nation. So let's talk a little bit about the risk factors for suicidal ideation. How can we, how should we provide support for someone having a crisis or maybe, you know, how, how do we provide that support at KBR? So I love the way you asked that question. Um, and that's that there are risk factors. We know that there are risk factors when we're lonely and we don't feel connected to people. If we've had some sort of involvement in the criminal justice system, or if we have chronic pain, or if we feel like, um, something's been ripped away from us, especially a relationship, and we don't have that community connectedness, um, financial problems, those are all really significant risk factors. And the more of those we have, obviously, the more concerns that someone would have 
um, that they may be at risk of suicide. But there's also some imminent kind of warning signs that some people may may start talking about. And that is, you know, vague statements that they wished that they were not around or they wished that they didn't have to deal with pain or struggle anymore. And some of the the best ways that we can provide support to people that are struggling, even the person next to you or even your family member is to listen and listen wholeheartedly, putting our cell phones down and squaring up where we're eye to eye and knee to knee and really actually listening without talking, without trying to give solutions. Um, so much of what we do as behavioral health care providers at KBR is to provide support and that is unbiased and uh, objective and supportive, you know, in all ways, whenever someone is dealing with the deepest and darkest emotions and moments of their lives. So we provide some fabulous uh, behavioral health care all around this nation um, and others, as a matter of fact, in our Preservation of the Force and Family Initiative, mm-hmm. providing behavioral health care staff as well as nutrition staff and athletic staff and trainers and coaches and cognitive coaches, always seeking to do our best for our community of special operators. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing that information. Also, thank you for the, I think, valuable advice for anyone listening about just how to be an empathetic listener. <laughs> I, I hope that uh, that people listening at home are, are able to, you know, take something constructive from this. Thanks, John. You know, sometimes whenever we have teenagers at home or a spouse at home, we forget those, those good skills and we're very sweet to our pets, but not necessarily to the people around us. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so um, listening carefully and, you know, re- recognizing that the people that live with us are the people that love us the most. And yet whenever we are really feeling down or depressed or discouraged, we can be really irritable and honestly mean to the people that may love us the most. So whenever we do have those people that are really irritable, sometimes that can be a red flag as well, that they really are in crisis and it's just safer to be irritable than it is to be depressed. What are some of the other innovative approaches that KBR has implemented around behavioral health? Some of the other things that we know that we can provide and we have been providing services in, and that's in cognitive coaching. And that is helping someone live their best life and be the most effective every single day that they can. And wouldn't it be great if we all had a coach that we could turn to, to help us uh, with our, you know, maximize brain health, maximize our performance, our physical performance, our cognitive performance, and then our interactions if we're having any issues related to relationships. Um, because, you know, we all know that things are going well until things aren't going well. And then when things start to decline in relationships, that it has an impact on us so much so that it can affect our jobs and it can affect everything we do, definitely our moods. So uh, that is a part of what we also do, and that's provide family support and peer education. It's just extraordinary. Well, I have a, I have a sort of a tough question, I imagine. Um, if you, Dr. Robles, had unlimited funds and resources to address uh, the United States behavioral health challenges, what would you do? How would you prioritize? So I think our number one need is having enough people to help. Uh, we need lifesavers. We need lifeguards. We need gatekeepers. Mm. So I would devote energy and attention to standing up behavioral health care training programs training therapists and clinicians and psychologists and making sure those that are aging out 
are there to provide those key instructional services and mentoring services for new individuals coming out of uh, out of college. For those that are considering careers, I would uh, I would market the importance of what we do every day and what a difference uh, we get to make in the lives of so many. The other thing that I would do is I would I would stand up urgent care centers anywhere where people can walk in and have access to care. Mm. You know, if you have a problem and you need to see someone, sometimes it's six weeks, sometimes two months, uh, but it's rarely the same day or rarely within a few days. And so making sure we've got enough behavioral health care providers and a place to go see them. Right. Um, I'm really glad that there is an opportunity uh, to be able to have mental health care under most insurances. But unfortunately, people may not know how to access that or uh, otherwise feeling like they don't know where to go or they're not comfortable uh, asking for help and seeking help. So destigmatizing that help seeking behavior by doing lots and lots of community involvement and community collaborations with literally every, every part of our society until we get to every single person and that there are zero suicides. Well, if I had the money, I'd give it to you <laughs> for certain. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, just on a personal note, my my youngest sister is right now finishing up. Well, she's about to start her um, her internship for her final year of her uh, master's degree in psychology. She wants to be a, a clinical therapist. So I'll have to let her know that there's a call for people out there that she's needed. Absolutely. And please pat her on the back for me and let her know then. Please give her my contact information. Absolutely. Sometimes starting out, people may be scared and, and not know what they're going into. And after 31 years in my 32nd year of doing this, I can tell you, I love it every single day. It never gets old. Well, I might just take you up on that. I'm sure she would love to talk to a professional of, of your mm-hmm. caliber and one that's done as much as you have. Well, before I go, I just have a couple more questions for you. Uh, first, how can people listening learn more about the work you're doing or reach out for support? Thank you. How can you reach out for support? I love the way KBR has established such wonderful options for seeking help. Um, everyone's insurance, you can uh, arrange a private therapist, and many of those have telehealth options, so you don't have to leave your desk. You can do it right there at your desk, or after you get home, we want to make sure we provide services that are convenient for those that need them. KBR has a wonderful EAP option, Employee Assistance Program, and you would have confidentiality in seeking out help of uh, an, this uh, of our EAP. Just call, set up the appointment, and you can be seen fairly quickly. The other things uh, that I would recommend that we do is to um, reach out to each other and check on our friends. And when we recognize that there is a problem, help our friends get set up for services. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners before we let you go? Yes. uh, We have launched nationwide a new crisis hotline. That number is 988 So if you are in crisis or if you know someone that is struggling, it's okay to reach out to a trained uh, provider at 988. In the meantime, um, I encourage you each to love the person around you like it's your last day with them and continue to show them the kind of support and love you would to the people around you that love you. Dr. Robles, thank you so much for what has truly been an inspiring and eye-opening interview. We thank you so much for your time. Thanks, John. Well, again, 
We talk so much about the work KBR does to take on challenges like climate change, energy transition, and national security. What we've heard today from Dr. Holly Robles about the crucial work KBR does to support mental health and behavioral health has been truly inspiring. Again, we want to thank Dr. Robles for letting us have some of her very valuable time. We also want to take another opportunity to let listeners know that if you're in distress and are currently in need of support, please know that there are resources available and you can dial 988 for immediate assistance. For those outside the U.S., there's a list of international resources available at save.org. And KBR employees, again, can find additional resources through the Employee Support Program. As always, we want to thank our amazing producer, Emma, for all her work on the podcast. If you'd like to drop us a line, let us hear from you by emailing us at inorbit at kbr.com. And thanks to all of our listeners around the world for spending some time with us today and keeping us in your orbit. Take care. Take care.